0: good morning good afternoon and good evening or whenever you may be listening welcome to episode 53 of the hang time with helgi podcast i am your host luke halgerson you know how we do it couple topics unpopular opinion let's get right into it first foremost, folks, I got to apologize. I have been away for so long. I don't even remember when I did my last episode. I feel like it was in March. We've missed so much. We've crowned an NCAA national champion in basketball, being the Baylor Bears. We started Major League Baseball season. The NBA playoffs are already over. The Milwaukee Bucks are world champions. Can't believe I'm saying that. So much has happened. I mean, we're almost out of the dog days of Major League Baseball season. We're coming down to the final month. So I want to apologize. I've been away for way too long. I know everyone wants to hear this beautiful voice talk about the gloriousness that is sports. But, you know, life gets in the way, folks. We've made some big moves. We got ourselves a dog. I travel a lot for work. Things get in the way, but no excuses. It's time to play like a champion. It's time to talk like a champion. It's time to record like a champion. So I'm back. We're ready to get into it. I'm not going to keep you folks waiting for episodes anymore. We're going to keep the content rolling. I promise. Starting here today, August 27th of 2021. No more games. No more games are being played. We're going we're gonna to start making moves with this podcast. No more taking month breaks, making up bullshit reasons why I can't give you the incredible takes that I come up with. It is time to hit the ground running. So with that, topic number one. Look, with the NBA season already being over, free agency was quite the friendly. First, got to say congratulations, like I said just a second ago, the Milwaukee Bucks, world champions. Tip your cap, be honest, and Ted Kumpo, with the Greek freak. At this point, one of the most dominating players in the league, if not the most dominating player in the league. I, he just could not be stopped. And I got to say, it was cool to see Drew Holiday step up very nicely. Chris Middleton finally getting the recognition that he deserves as the quiet 20-point scorer a night he is. The Bucks getting it done. It was good to see them win. Good to see them win. Um, got to say, I wanted uh, of anyone to win besides the Lakers or the Mavericks or the Trailblazers, I guess I would say Milwaukee, just because, you know, Giannis, homegrown talent, really great to see. But anyways, who, the season is far from over. The new season, that's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about the upcoming 2021-2022 20, season. The NBA's already released the schedule. Free agency was in a whirlwind. So with that, we got to talk about the top five teams after free agency. A lot of moves were made. Superstars were moved, guys signed big contracts. We're going to talk about, again, five best teams after free agency. I think the number one best, most interesting, exciting team going into next year has got to be the Los Angeles Lakers. They traded for one Russell Westbrook. That's right, the former MVP. The three of the past four years averaging a triple Double. Think about that, folks. Remember when there was a time when Oscar Robinson averaging a triple-double for a season seemed like an untouchable record? It didn't even seem possible. Russell Westbrook did it when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and he won an MVP because of it. He did it again, and then he changed teams. He's changed the team. He's now on his third team in three years. He was on the Rockets two years ago. He was on the Wizards last year. Now he'll be playing for the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. That's a big three if I've ever heard of one. Two MVPs and debatably the best big man in the game today in Anthony Davis. The trio is very interesting. Westbrook can't shoot, but boy, can he play make. He can run the floor. He does a lot of things well. He brings a lot of tenacity. I know it's going to rejuvenate LeBron to play really hard, really well this year. I'm very fascinated to see how this all comes together because Westbrook is just 100 miles an hour all the time, every time he's on the court just shoving it down their throat, trying to get to the basket, trying to get to his spots, creating for his teammates. LeBron James, going on in his 19th season, a little more methodical with the ball. Takes time, let the offense runs, coordinates things. He's a true maestro out there, just directing everyone, needs them in the perfect spot. And that's what he does, slows it down. So this experiment is going to be very fascinating, very excited for it. But that wasn't the only move that they made. I mean, everyone's calling them, you know, this uh, the senior home team, and I, I don't believe that. I, frankly, I think age is a good thing. You could say it injury-wise, it can be a little bit of a concern, but with the way these guys train now, with the way their off-season workouts are, their diets, the, the type of access that they get to the weight room, medical staffs, is beyond what people were doing just 10 years ago. I mean, guys are staying healthy and I think going to be playing longer as we, you know, keep going into the future. So they signed one of my favorite players of all time, Carmelo Anthony, is on the team. Dwight Howard is coming back. They also bring in a couple young guns in Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, formerly played for the Miami Heat and the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, two young guys just looking to get some veteran leadership and learn from the tutelage of LeBron James. And not only that, they also signed Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, Kent Bazemore. I mean, they just added a lot of pieces, bringing back Wes Matthews, nice three-point shooter. Marcus is, you know, he's under contract, but the rumors are he might not be playing for them. So what the um, debating if he's going to have one more go at it or Lakers might waive him, release him. Uh, anything can happen. But they made a lot of moves that I really like, uh, guys that will fit nicely, veteran guys. And again, I think everyone's making fun of them that they're old. Their average age is like 35 years old or something, 36. I don't care about that. I don't, I, experience wins in the NBA. Look at it now. All the young teams out there, how many of them turn out to be successful very quickly None of them. None of them win championships. You could say, yeah, Giannis is young for a guy to win a championship at twenty-six years old. He's been grinding it out in the NBA since he was 18 years old. He's on year eight or nine, and he just won a championship. It takes a while. You gotta really figure out how to win in this league. The Lakers have guys who know how to win. LeBron's a four-time champion. Anthony Davis has won a championship. Dwight Howard knows what it's like to win a championship. Trevor Ariza knows what it's like when he won a championship with Kobe all the way back in 2019 and 2010. (laughs) They got guys who know how to win championships and guys who need and want to win championships. Westbrook, all he wants to do is win a title. Carmelo Anthony, all he wants to do is win a title. This team is going to sacrifice and do everything they can to win next year. I'm very excited to watch them. Very excited. I can't wait. Tip off cannot come soon enough for this upcoming season, because this experiment—Westbrook, Anthony Davis, LeBron James—boy, oh boy, it is going to be fun. Second team that I'm lo- that I think um, came out on top in free agency, uh, the Miami Heat really love what they did. Again, you could say adding Kyle Lowry, older point guard, fits perfectly into their system. He's a Grind it out, go get them type player. Fits along perfectly with Jimmy Butler, Eric as the head coach, the Pat Riley mentality of play hard no matter what. He fits in perfectly with them. Veteran leadership, absolutely love it. They bring over PJ Tucker, who just won a championship for the Milwaukee Bucks. He's coming over automatic from the corner three, plays lockdown defense, and they also signed Markeith Moore. Morris from the uh, he played for the Lakers, three very nice pickups. R- really love it. Really love it. Fits right in with what they want to do. I could see them easily being a top three seed. The East is nice. The East is nice, but it was time for Lowry to go with the Raptors. I, you could you know a topic for another day is Lowry the greatest Raptor of all time. I would say at this point winning a championship how long he's been there. The kind of guy that he is, and what that organization thinks of him. Yes, Kyle Lowry is the face of the Toronto Raptors, but it was time to move on. Time to move on. I think he found a perfect situation with the Miami Heat. They got a nice mix of young guys: Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. Uh, kind of both of them struggled in the playoffs last year, but I think they'll get another year. Bringing in a veteran leadership, older guys, good mentors. They'll put them in the right direction. And I think Eric Spolcher is one of the best coaches in the league. Let's not be mistaken. This man can coach. He gets it done. Uh, And really, they got a Bam and bio, too. He's a nice defensive player of the year candidate. Does a lot, a little bit of a Swiss Army knife. Does it all. He can pass. He can score on the block. He can knock down an outside shot. Plays great defense. I like what this team did. I like what this team did, added to their depth, the heat, the heat. uh, They're going to be dangerous. Watch out. But definitely some teams in the East that are better than them at this point. But I really like the moves that they made to improve. Another team in the East, the third best team after free agency, got to be the one Chicago Bulls. That's right. The Bulls getting back on the map, or at least trying to. Look, last year at the deadline, traded for Nikola Vucevic, I think the most underrated player in the league by far. Uh, he gets slept on way too much, and that's because he's lived in the abyss of mediocrity that is Orlando. But when I went to Orlando Magic games, you know, my guy, he's gu- guaranteed, guaranteed 25 and 12 a night. He can knock down a three, can score on the block. Defense isn't great, I will say that. Not a great defender but he serviceable serviceable defender so they traded for him at the deadline last year but now they're bringing in Lonzo Ball great passer of the basketball and he's gotten better every year jump shot is improving and i know he's got you know he's bounced around from teams lakers drafted him traded to the pelicans pelicans didn't want him they moved off him let him go sign with the bulls the Bulls paid him a lot of money. That's for sure. It was like full five years, 85 million, giving him the bag. But I think he's gonna get better um, as he progresses. And then they also brought in former all star and former Raptor, played for the San Antonio Spurs most recently, DeMar DeRozan. He's such a nice player. Another very underrated player. Doesn't get the appreciation he deserves. Again, he was in a small market team in San Antonio. They never get talked about. But again, he's another 22, 23-point scorer a night. Very efficient with the basketball. Showed that he can play make very well when he was on the Spurs. Pop, Let him run the the offense a little bit. And he averaged like six, seven assists while he was there. He can pass the ball. Not a great three-point shooter, but he's managed to... Adapt very well. He's getting better at that. I'm sure he'll be asked to shoot more threes to spread the floor a little bit. And then they also bring in the balded one himself, Alex Caruso. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of Lakers game last year. Tried to watch everyone, and Alex Caruso is one of the most entertaining players to watch. I mean, you don't expect a bald white person to go out there and be like six two, six three, six four, whatever. How he's shorter than me. Let's put it that way. And he would go out there. He plays great defense. He's going to give you a pretty nasty dunk. It's what he does. He's an energizer, off the bench, really nice contributor. I like it. I I like them signing him. I'm fortunate to see him leave the Lakers. I'm sure LeBron wanted to keep him around, but hey, Bulls offered him more money, I'm sure. Get the bag and go to an up-and-coming team. For an up-and-coming player, I think it's the right spot for him in Chicago. Watch out. And so you look at this starting lineup. You got Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Nikola Jokic, uh, Vucevic, excuse me, and whoever, and they just traded for Larry Nance. Oh, no, Larry Nance Jr. went to the uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Lowry um, who was the Bulls power forward, is now headed to, uh, who just traded for him? Uh, I'm drawing a blank. The trade just happened today. Uh, Oh, he went to Cleveland. You know, Cleveland Cavaliers, and then uh, as part of the three-team trade, Derrick Jones Jr. heads over to the uh, Chicago Bulls. You know, he's a a decent role player, but, wow, talk about a lot of athleticism right there with DeRozan, Levine, Caruso, and Jones. Uh, We're going to see some nice highlights with this team. Defense will struggle, no doubt about that, but they'll definitely put up a lot of points and they put themselves right back in playoff position. They should be making the playoffs, and when you think about it, Levine, here's a stat for you. Zach Levine, you know, he's a pretty nice player, was an all-star last year. This man just had his first four-game winning streak since entering the league, and it wasn't even with the Chicago Bulls. It was with Team USA at the Olympics. Think about that. He's been in the league for, like, six years, and this man has never had a four-game winning streak until now, and it wasn't even with the team that drafted him and that he currently plays for. Unbelievable. I imagine they're going to go on a couple four-game win streaks this year, if not longer. I definitely see them being in playoff contention and definitely can fight for one of those top seeds in the East. I'm not saying one, two, or three, but they could definitely be right up there at four or five. They play well enough, they come together. They could definitely get maybe fight for that three, three seed for sure. Really like what the Bulls did. Definitely improved by a lot. The fourth team, got to go with those Golden State Warriors, yes. With the greatest shooter ever, Steph Curry, they got a little better. They didn't make the shiny moves like the three other teams that I made. They're not bringing in any, you know, Great former All-Stars. they bring in a bringing back a nice key contributor, Andre Iguodala, returning to Golden State. We remember them with the incredible small ball starting five. He's coming back. So that's a nice little veteran pickup right there. Going to come off the bench. We'll give them some nice minutes. They also signed Otto Porter Jr. Look, he's not great. He's not great. not going to say he's a spectacular player. Honestly, very forgettable, but he is a serviceable guy, especially if he's coming off your bench. I'd be very much okay if Otto Porter Jr. is coming off the bench as my, my sixth, seventh, eighth man in the rotation. Nice, solid pickup. He can give you 15 a night. Uh, the reason I like Golden State, not so much with free agency. You know, those are the two big moves. Um, but they got Clay Thompson coming back from injury. He's looking to come back around Christmas time. Uh, they still have Steph Curry, still have Draymond Green, still have Andrew Wiggins who had a career season last year. James Wiseman, I feel like is only going to get better. Yeah, they lose Kelly Oubre, but he was awful last year. I really see the Golden State Warriors improving going into next year. Now, the West is stacked. So they really need Klay Thompson to come back and be at 100% and for the Splash Bros to really make an impact. But they're bringing back a team that they won a championship with just six years ago. I mean, remember, they didn't win with just Kevin Durant. They won in 2015 with these same players. Klay, Steph, Draymond, Iguodala replace Andrew Wick, Harrison Barnes with Andrew Wiggins. Like, they still have the same team there. The core is there. The championship foundation is still there. And they made Steph Curry the highest-paid player ever. He's making, like, four, two $296 million over four years. Give me a break. God damn, let me hold a dollar. Making me look broke these days, which I am. But I digress. Look, I, I like what they did. A couple nice pickups. Nothing that's going to change the game too much, but they're definitely, the the core is there. I like what these Warriors can do. Two solid pickups for their pinch. And I feel like they're going to be better than they were last year. They were in the playing game against the Lakers. I see them getting better. I really do. I really see them getting better. But again, the West is tough. So they're going to need every bit of their guys to step up and play great going into next season. The final team. Those New York Knickerbockers, they were the real surprise of last year. You know, they finally made the playoffs for the first time since Carmelo Anthony was there, which seems like an eternity ago. I mean, they're finally moving in the right direction. Tom Thibodeau, great coach. I knew he was going to finally start chipping away and making New York Knicks basketball relevant again. And they made a couple of nice additions. They signed Kemba Walker formerly with the Boston Celtics, Kemba will always be one of my favorite players. From his days at UConn, grinding it out in Charlotte, I mean, is he the playmaker that you want out of a point guard? He could be a little better in that. But when he's healthy, he is great. He struggled with health of late, but look at who their point guard was last year. Alfred Payton? Alfred Payton was their starting point guard. That's right. But to level up to Kemba Walker very much so improvement. And then they also signed another former Orlando Magic player, Evan Fournier, who, funny enough, both of these guys played for Boston at the end of the year and now headed to New York. But just the improvement. So the backcourt last year for the Knicks was Reggie Bullock and, like I said, Alfred Payton. To level that up to Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, vast improvement, vast improvement. I know Fournier's a bit inconsistent, Kemba with the health, but with the way they're moving, Julius Randle, one most improved player, he's very adamant he's going to be even better next year. I feel like RJ Barrett's going to keep improving. they got a nice young core. Tom Thibodeau's going to coach him up, play him well. Again, one of the better coaches in the league. Can't believe he was out of the league for so long. I guess that's what happens when you attach yourself to the worst organization in the NBA in the Timberwolves for a little while, but... I feel like he's back. New York basketball is back. And it's good to see Kemba playing in the Big Apple. I bet that'll change his mind because he has one of the greatest plays ever. If you haven't seen it, just look up Kemba Walker step back. UConn, Pittsburgh in the, what was that, ACC? Was that the title game or semifinals? I think it was the semifinals. But either way, wow, what a crossover. Put the guy on the floor. But Kemba back at Madison Square Garden, where his Shining Star began. So I'm, I'm excited. Hopefully, it's good to see the Knicks play well. I will say that. Good to see the Knicks be one of the Shining teams. Might get a little too much hype from some people. Calm down. The East is very comparable. The East is very comparable. Especially when you look, a lot of teams got better. If you just look at it, real little off the top of my head. You got the NBA championship Bucks. You got the Brooklyn Nets with the three idiots of Durant, Harden, Kyrie. They're going to be back and better than ever next year and hope that they can stay healthy. And then look at it. The Heat got better. The Bulls got better. I feel like the Hawks are going to keep improving with their young core and after making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, the Boston Celtics, I feel like are still there. The Charlotte Hornets will continue to get better. Uh, there are teams. There are teams I- that in the East. It's not just this pushover league that everyone describes. It really isn't. I feel like everyone is kind of improving. The Celtics. You know, they didn't do really anything in free agency, and I feel like that'll be their downfall. Seventy Sixers are still there. <clears throat> there are teams. There are teams. It's going to be a fun race to watch. Just. Again, let's get this NBA season started. And sure enough, as we go into September, we only have to wait one more month. Preseason basketball starts like October 3rd. <laughs> let's fucking go. Moving on. Topic number two. Well, I've been away so long, people. NFL training camp has already passed. We're already in preseason week three. Week three. And since now it's a 17 game schedule, <laughs> this is the last week of preseason. So we got to pick it. NFL on un, over under picks. We're doing it. I'm making the picks right here, right now. We're not going to do the whole league. We'll do the AFC this episode. Stay tuned. I'll give you my NFC picks. We're going to run it down. You can see the Official over unders at Vegas Insider. Cheap plug. Vegasinsider.com, that's where I'm getting my over unders. So don't be saying, oh, I looked at another list and it wasn't that. Well, Vegasinsider.com, that's what I'm looking at. Okay? I don't want to hear nothing. So, we'll, like I said, we're going to do the AFC. We'll just go down by division. We'll start with the AFC East. Start with the top team from last year, the Buffalo Bills. Win total at 11. Okay, couple factors here. Again, you got to factor in. We're adding an extra game to the schedule. So, 11 in a 16 game schedule, 5 losses tough to think about. Now, 11 is 6 losses. Are the Bills a 6 loss football team? I mean, 11 is high. I'm not going to act like that's not that isn't anything far away, but they're not playing I mean, Look at who they got here. They got the Steelers, Dolphins, Washington football team, Texans, Chiefs, Titans, Dolphins again, Jaguars, Jets, Colts, Saints, Patriots, Bucks, Panthers, Patriots, Falcons, Jets. Of all the teams that I made, did that sound like six losses to you? They get to play the Jets twice, they get to play the Panthers, they get to play the Falcons, are they get to play the Jaguars. <laughs> they, play, they get to play the Texans. They play some bad teams. They play a couple. There are some good teams in there. I'm not going to just discredit all these teams, but with the way Josh Allen improved from year two to year three, Doug Marone's one of the best coaches in the league. I think he's shown that as this team has progressed. The defense is great. Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen have made a great connection in that wide receiver quarterback tandem. Uh, I'm going to have to go over. I have to go over. The Bills are too good. They got too much talent on their roster. 11 seems, 11 seems low, so I'm going to take the over on the old Buffalo Bills. Next team in that division will go to the Dolphins since they had 10 wins last year. They come in at nine and a half. So pretty much I'm going that they win 10 games again or they only win 9 games again. 17-game season. Now, I didn't mention the other factor is that they have decided that the NFL, that is, if a team has COVID and can't play, it's a forfeit. They're not making up the game, so we're not going to see some Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon game, unfortunately. The game will not be made up. Playing the game, if you can't put the guys on the field, you have to forfeit. Fair enough. I'm okay with that rule. So... With that being said, Dolphins, nine and a half. I mean, is Tua really the answer? Guys usually have that sophomore slump. A sophomore slump is a real thing, especially in the NFL. Especially in the NFL. I think Brian Flores is a great coach coming from that Bill Belichick tree, got a good defense. Wow, Maui wowie. That's a, uh, you know, the Dolphins, again, they get to play the. The Jets twice. I think that it greatly benefits them. Play the Patriots twice. They'll play the Bills twice. I mean, they play the Raiders. They play the Jags. They play the Falcons. They play the Texans. Play the Ravens. Play the Panthers. Play the Giants. Play the Saints. Play the Titans. And then they finish the season with the Patriots. I got to tell you, that looks like 10 wins, especially when you get to play the likes of the Giants. Jets twice. Panthers. Falcons. Texans, Jags, uh, Raiders, yeah, this is this is a 10-win team. I'm taking the over on the Miami Dolphins. Fighting for a playoff spot. Tua, don't let me down. I need you to improve, but the sophomore slump could be real, but I feel like the defense will keep them in games. I feel like the defense will keep them in games. But Tua has shown he, he can be great. He, he has shown he can be great. From his days at Alabama, he has shown he can be a spectacular player. So, I'm not going to sleep on them too much. Another team coming in at nine and a half. the Evil Empire, the New England Patriots. Look, I'm going to say this first and foremost. Everyone wants to talk about the QB controversy. I'm not too worried about that, because I honestly think whoever they put out there, they can win double-digit games. And the reason I say that, they spent a lot of money in free agency, bringing in some wide receivers, tight ends, defensive pieces. So they made a lot of moves, made a lot of moves. I think Cam, another year in this offense, is only going to improve. Cam has his limitations. He's not that accurate, still a great athlete, can still get it done, can look spectacular. I think another year with McDaniels, he's going to improve. they got to hone in on his skills. But I even think if Mac Jones ends up winning the quarterback battle, he's pretty much the exact opposite as Cam Newton. Very accurate, not that athletic poised in the pocket, your typical standard run-of-the-mill quarterback. I think both guys can win 10 games. Another reason I think that, Bill Belichick's greatest coach ever. He's so good at coaching that the team last year had like 15 guys sit out, opted not to play, and 15 of like their better players, on, both on the defense and offensive side of the ball. They had no one for Cam to throw to offensively. Cam was literally doing it by himself in their little running back of committee. And they won seven games. Seven. Seven games with an atrocious, one of the worst rosters in the league last year. And they still managed to get seven games. You don't think they can, adding a game to the schedule, get one more W up there? Or one more. Excuse me, three more Ws from last year? with how they improve the roster, Belichick as a coach. I want Cam to start. I want Cam to succeed. I love the Cam man, one of the most electrifying players ever. I really hope he can get his career back on track. I want the Patriots to succeed. Everyone thinks they're the evil empire and all this, all that. No. And I know Belichick's coming out with a vengeance because Tom Brady just won a Super Bowl. He's not just going to sit idly by. He needs to prove that it wasn't just Tom Brady winning those Super Bowls. It was me, my coaching, my philosophy, can get it done. Nine and a half, I think the Patriots can clear that. So three overs in a row, three for three. Now let's head over to the final team in that division in the New York Jets. Let's see. Comes in here at six. I'm going to take the under. Absolutely taking the under. God, they suck. I mean, I don't think Zach Wilson's the answer. He he's shown some flashes in preseason, but again, I don't take I take preseason as less than a grain of salt. It's less than a grain of salt. I take nothing from preseason. Absolutely nothing. You have to do it when the games matter, when wins and losses and the occasional tie comes into play. That's when it matters. That's the only time I care. These people who talk about preseason football, shut the hell up. Preseason football sucks. I haven't watched a minute. I've literally only watched highlights. It was literally just watching highlights of Justin Fields, the old Bears quarterback. We'll get to that next episode. But Jets, six wins, bringing in a new coach, Zach Wilson. The The team was terrible last year. I think Darnold is better than Zach Wilson at this point. Zach Wilson's not just turning this franchise around after one year, especially considering the talent that they have. I mean, they have nothing to be excited about other than potentially they have the franchise quarterback. I don't see it. I don't believe it. But clearly the Jets do. That's why they picked Zach Wilson so high. So they better hope he can save the franchise because I don't think he can do it. Six wins, not a chance. Give me the under. All right, so we're three for four on the over-unders. Sounded about right. Let's even it out. Let's move to the next division. I think let's move to the uh, – we'll go to the other side of the country, the old AFC West. We'll start with the team that lost in the Super Bowl to Kansas City Chiefs with, with Patrick Mahomes, led by Andy Reid. Uh, they pretty much bring back everyone. They improve the offensive line, Just the reason they lost the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life. Yes, a lot of guys were hurt. A couple guys were out with COVID. But they're still right there. They're still the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, still the most electrifying quarterback in the league with the greatest arm. Still got Kelsey. Still got Hill. I think they're going to get, you know, they got guys. The talent is there. Everything is there. Twelve and a half wins. Again, like a four-loss team. That's all they need to be to lose four games. And let's head over to the old schedule. See if they're losing four games. They open with the Browns, then they got the Ravens, then they got the Chargers, then they got the Eagles, then they play the Bills, then they got the football team, then they got the Titans, Giants, Packers, Raiders, Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers, Bengals, Broncos. It's a tough schedule. It's definitely a tough schedule, but they beat the Browns. Patrick Mahomes has shown that he's better than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has to get over that hump and beat Patrick Mahomes. Again, I say there's two wins. He's, they're better than the Chargers. They're going to win both of those games. They're better than the Eagles. They're better than the Bills, but the Bills could win that game. They're better than the Washington football team. They're better than the Titans. They're better than the, – frankly, they're better than everyone on their schedule. The only thing that can get in their way is complacency. And I don't think Andy Reid will allow that. I think Patrick Mahomes has a little more drive than that. I don't see four losses on this schedule. Okay, I could get maybe Lamar Jackson week two. Yep, he does get it done. Okay, there's one loss. The Bills, okay. We, we can just chalk that up. We'll say Maybe that's another loss. There's two. And then the Packers and then the Steelers. Other than that, there's no other team on this schedule. Maybe the Browns week one. But that's five games right there. They're definitely better than all of those teams that I said they might lose to. And maybe they lose a division game. No, I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. Too much talent, way too good. It's your Chiefs. Frankly, they're the favorites in the AFC. Clearly, they they have the highest win total. At 12 and a half, that's the highest in the league. Um, Yeah, fair. It's very fair at this point. They're the clear-cut favorites in the AFC. Let's see if they can go to three straight Super Bowls. Let's see if they can make it happen. The second team we'll talk about—I got to tell you—this um, uh, this division doesn't excite me too much. So we'll move to the uh, the most forgettable team there is: the uh, the San Diego. <laughs> That's right; they don't play there anymore. The Los Angeles Chargers. So the LAC. So they got the Clippers and the Chargers. Who got the same abbreviation? Maybe they should figure that something out there. But yeah, the Los Angeles Chargers coming in at nine and a half. Wow. Very high. I mean, Justin Herbert was great last year in his rookie year. Still got Keenan Allen. They got, a, they got talent. Yeah, Joey Bosa's coming back, or is it the other Bosa? One of them. One of the Bosa brothers plays for the Chargers. Look, but the, it's the Chargers, though. They're so forgettable that they could they could win. God, nine and a half, it seems high. Nine and a half seems very high. Everyone loves them, but everyone loves them every year. I remember the Phillip Rivers years. Yeah, people would just dick ride the Chargers, hype them up, talk about how great they were, and then it's like, oh, another eight and eight season. Oh, they went seven and nine. Hmm. I thought they had one of the best rosters in the league, and it's like, uh, coaching. Well, it's got to be something. You got to blame something because I don't know. I just it's the Chargers. It's the Chargers. Like they should still be in San Diego. Like why they're moving? Why they moved to Los Angeles to share a stadium with the Rams? Uh, yeah, money. That's the only reason. Apparently, they're, they're more profitable in Los Angeles than they are in San Diego. But I will say this: when you go to Los Angeles, who says they're a Chargers fan? No one. They're all Rams and Raiders fans. Nobody gives a shit about the Chargers in Los Angeles. Like, they might be more irrelevant than the Clippers, and that's saying a lot. That's saying a lot, because no one cares about the Clippers in Los Angeles, but (laughs) the Chargers, they might take the cake as the most irrelevant sports team, professional sports team, in Los Angeles. (sighs) Regardless of that, nine and a half. Wow, that, that seems like a lot of wins. To say that they're a 10-win team seems like a pretty bold statement, especially when they play the Chiefs twice, they play the Browns, they play the Ravens, they play the Patriots, they play the Vikings, they play the Steelers. I mean, they got some cake ones too, you know, play the Raiders twice, they play the Texans, they play the Giants, they play the Eagles, they play the Cowboys, they play the Washington football team. You know what? Looking at the schedule now, I'm a <laughs> I'm a little more on the side that they might win ten games just because they get to play the likes of the Bengals, Giants, Texans, and they're gonna at least split with the Raiders. I feel like they're gonna beat the Broncos twice because, well, it's the Broncos. They play the Cowboys in Washington. All right, we'll call that a split. It's you know what? We're gonna do it. We're gonna take the over. We'll take the over on the Chargers. Uh, Goal, charges, goal. Uh, So, yeah, we'll take the over on nine and a half. Over on the Chargers. All right, the third team. I guess since we've mentioned them, we'll go with the Denver Broncos, huh? So they decided to start Teddy Bridgewater over Drew Locke. Smart decision. Drew Locke sucks. Drew Locke is not good. His completion percentage is absolutely terrible. And clearly it hasn't gotten any better if they're after a journeyman. And I like Teddy Bridgewater. He only played with the Vikings had the horrific leg injury. Then he was on Carolina last year. Carolina got rid of him to bring in Sam Darnold. And now the Broncos are going to start him. I hope him nothing but success, nothing but the best. Just because of his story. Like, his story, like, you know, but I digress. Other than that, who do they got, Vaughn Miller? I I I don't think I could name one more person on the team. Oh, they got that former, what's uh, oh, his name? They got Judy, I believe. Yeah, they got Judy. Judy, he played for Alabama. Can't remember his first name. Anyways, what do they got here? Eight and a half? No. Give me the under. Um. If you're a, lo- I like Teddy Bridgewater. I've stated, I want to see him succeed. But to say they're going to win nine games and have a winning record, no. No, that, no. Not happening. They are not winning nine games this year. I find that very hard to believe that they would win nine games. Eight and a half seems high. I want to know where they're coming up with that number, anyways, because uh, no chance. Well, you know, there's always a chance, but I mean, I honestly couldn't name another player besides the three players of Teddy Bridgewater, the backup quarterback Drew Locke, and Vaughn Miller on the defensive end. I need my Broncos Connect to get like hype up their team. Like I need to hear something because I I don't believe in any, anything that they're doing. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in it. They don't have the running game. Is Melvin Gordon still there? There we go. There's another guy. Yeah, other than that, you know they're uh, pretty marginal, pretty average. Figure it out, Elway, huh? Let's step it up. Give me the under on the old Denver Broncos, and that leaves the final team, the Los. Vegas Raiders. What do we add here? It can't be that high. I mean, John Gruden has improved the team as uh, time has gone on, but um, I don't see them. What have we got here, huh? Are they even on this list? They got to be somewhere. I can't find them. Where are the Raiders? There we are, Seven. Coming in at the old seven. So that's nine losses. Well, let's see. They played the Chiefs twice, they played the Chargers twice, and they played the Broncos twice. I think all three of the teams I previously mentioned, yeah, I might be dogging on the the Broncos, but the Raiders, what have they done? Like Derek Carr is, eh, he's fine. Very average, average quarterback. He's a very average quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're okay if he's on your team, if you have a lot of talent. But they play the Ravens, Steelers, Dolphins. That, that's the first three games of the year. And then they play the Chargers. It sounds like four losses off the bat real quick. And then they play my Chicago Bears. Then they play the Broncos. They got the Eagles, Giants, Chiefs, Bengals, Cowboys, Washington, Chiefs, Browns, Broncos, Colts, Chargers. Like, I see five wins on this schedule. Five. Yeah, they're going to suck. Raiders, <sighs> Gruden, even That 10-year contract's not looking too hot. You, uh, you better figure something out, because uh, uh, I don't think they're going to improve this year. You know, at least they get that new stadium there in Las Vegas. You know, good for them. It looks like the Death Star. But, uh, yeah, other than that, uh, they don't have a lot of talent. They're not very good. They're not good on the defensive end. Their offense is eh. And, uh, yeah, uh, not really much to say about Las Vegas. They kind of suck. So what was it at? Seven? Seven. Yeah, it was at seven. Yeah, give me the under. Give me the under. They are not going over there. All right. Let's move on to the middle of the country. We'll go with the better conference. We'll save the worst Division in football for last. So we'll go with the AFC North. We'll go with, start with the, I think the best team in the division, Baltimore Ravens, former MVP Lamar Jackson. They're at 11. 11 wins. So that's six losses. You know, I can already tell without even looking at their schedule, they're getting the over. Now, I say I don't put a lot of investment in preseason, but it needs to be mentioned that they have won 19 preseason games in a row. Think about that. 19 preseason games in a row. Until this year, they played three, uh, excuse me, they played four preseason games a year. I don't care what time it is. Preseason to win 19 in a row? Look, it's just a very spectacular stat. It means absolutely nothing, but hey, it's got to show for at least something. I mean I don't again, I don't put too much investment in preseason at all. Between nineteen games in a row of anything, of anything, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Flipping a coin nineteen times and having the same result, impressive. Making nineteen shots in a row for basketball, impressive. Doing anything nineteen times correctly in a row, And it's gotta go for something. But I'm gonna take the over. I mean, they they get better year in, year out. John Harbaugh. Great coach, Lamar Jackson. I love his game. He gets too much disrespect. Everyone wants him to be something. He shows you what he can do. And everyone's like, oh, he's been figured out. You can figure him out. He's been people know what to do against him. Okay, you can game plan and you can simulate and practice. But until you get out there and you know, I actually see someone like stop him, then I'll believe that. Yeah, maybe you figured out he likes to do certain things, but that doesn't mean you can stop him. Doesn't mean that in the slightest. See, the Ravens, they're, they're going to win that division. They're going to be at the top. They're getting more than 11 wins. Honestly, I might go push. No, nah, we'll go with the over. Give me the over. Yeah, they're only going to lose like four or five games this year. Ravens, they're going to be dangerous. The other team that made the playoffs in that division, let's go with the uh, the Cleveland Steamers, the Browns, 10 and a half. Maui, wowie, they're expecting big things with them. I mean, hey, they brought in JV on Clowney. Baker Mayfield hopefully will improve from last year. They're bringing back Odell Beckham from injury. They still got Miles Garrett, one of the most dangerous guys in football. I mean, the Browns are on the up-and-come-up. Finally, an organization that has lived in absolute shit, absolute shit. They're finally turning something around, finally turning around. And I actually like Baker. Is he a top-ten quarterback? Absolutely not. But he is a serviceable, nice quarterback. He can put the talent around him. They still got Kareem Hunt. Uh, Who else they got in the backfield? Nick Chubb. They got a good running back set. They got a good wide receiver core. The defense is very stout, especially on the front line. Wow. I mean, 10-and-a-half, though seems like the Browns are a 10-win team. I mean, they play the Chiefs, and they play the Texans. They then play the Bears, play the Vikings. Chargers, Cardinals, Broncos, Steelers, Bengals, Patriots, Lions, Ravens. Ravens, back-to-back weeks. That's pretty interesting. And then uh, Raiders, Packers, Steelers, Bengals. Look, they get to play the Bengals twice. There's two wins. I feel like they'll split with the Steelers. Ravens should win both games, but they might be able to sneak in a W there. Play the Raiders, dub Bengals, twice, dub. Cardinals. It'll be a tough game, but I think they'd win. They're better than the Broncos. They're better than the Vikings. They're better than the Bears. They're better than the Chargers. God, to say the Browns are going to win 11 games, though, and only have six losses? I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that to myself. I'm not going to put that kind of pressure on the Cleveland Steamers. We're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go under, but they're going to win 10 games. They're a double-digit win team. They're going to win double-digit games. This is the most suspect one. But I'm going to say they only win 10 games, so they go 10-7. and seven And uh, But they're still going to win double digits. I think they'll make the playoffs, and maybe they can make something happen and win another playoff game. So uh, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, but... I think they're very solid, honestly. God, seven losses seems like a lot, though. But God, eleven wins seems like a lot as well. A lot—that's a lot—and asking for a lot, you know. There's sometimes there's a little regression after you overachieve one year, and then expectations are finally set put on you. There's a little fallback. The pressure mounts. Game to game, it gets more difficult. So. We're going to stick with my pick. I'm going they win 10 games. They win 10 games, and uh, they still, you know, still make the playoffs. So see if they can make it happen. The next team, the uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, 8.5. That seems low. Does it not? That means if they're under, they're a below 500 team. And whereas, you know, they go over, they're a uh, winning football team at 9 and 8. Hmm. The Steelers. You know, Big Ben is uh washed. Very washed. They got a lot of talent around him though. You know, Juju Smith Schuster is coming back. You got my Notre Dame guy, Chase Claypool. But they're not better than the Ravens. They're not better than the Browns. Golly. I just don't see them being a below five hundred team. Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches in the league. They're <laughs> You know they start. They played great last year, early going, and then the year went on and they struggled, and they got worse. But I don't feel like that's the trend. I feel like they're uh, they're above 500 football team. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go the over. I'm gonna go the over. But again, the ceiling is like 10 games. I'm not even gonna look at the schedule. I'm gonna go the over. I just think, Mike Tomlin's too good a coach. Big Ben. I feel like they're gonna. Najee Harris will go off. I feel like they'll be a little more reliant on the run game uh, rather than trusting that Big Brent can throw the ball 50 times a game. It's just not who he is. That's not the kind of quarterback he is. He doesn't do those things anymore. So we'll go, uh, we're going to go the over. We'll go the over on the Steelers. And then the final team in that division, the old Cincinnati Bengals. Golly, they are got to have one of the lowest ones. Oh, six we We're going to go under. We're going to go under, and it's, you know, I like Joe Burrow. I like what he's going to do for this organization, if he can stay healthy. Hopefully the knee injury doesn't become an issue as we move forward. It didn't become an issue for Brady when he got hurt back in, what was that, like 2009 or something? It didn't become an issue for him. Not comparing Joe Burrow to Tom Brady. I'm comparing the injury. Guys can come back from a horrific knee injury and still be a lead. I think Joe Burrow can be an elite quarterback, but going into year two, they're the Bengals, like six and a half, at most, they're a six-win team. We're taking the under, taking the under on the old Cincinnati Bengals. So there we go. And now for the worst division in football, we'll start with the we'll we'll start with the best team, the uh, the Tennessee Titans. Nine, nine. So they go nine and eight. That's that's what they're thinking. I mean, they, they have the best running back in the league, Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill got COVID, but, you know, it's the preseason, so he should be ready come uh, September 12th when they go up against the Cardinals. I mean, they got a tough, tough schedule, though. You know, yeah, they get to play the Jacks twice, but they play the Cardinals, Seahawks, Colts twice, and they got the Jets, they got the Bills, they got the Chiefs. They got the Rams, they got the Saints. They got the Patriots, they got the Steelers, they got the 49ers, they got the Dolphins. Wow. You know what? We're going to go push. We're going to go push. They're going to they're going to win the division, but they're going to go 9 and 8. They're going to win that division and go 9 and 8. Might be selling the Colts short a little bit, but again, we'll we'll get to them in a, in a second, but yeah, I I just see a lot of losses on there. Like, I feel like they'll split with the Colts. Rams are better than them. Seahawks are better than them. Patriots game will be fun. The Bills are better than them. The Chiefs are better than them. The Cardinals are on par with them at this point. I mean, I know they get four easy wins, but the Dolphins are better than them. Steelers are better than them. 49ers are going to be better this year. Yeah, we'll go push. We'll go push. The only purse. Push first, one of all the picks. I absolutely love it. But, you know, sometimes you are got to make those bold moves. Yeah, the odds might say it's better to go over or under. Nah, I don't worry about the odds. I worry about gut. We go gut feeling on the Hang Time with Halgie podcast. So, yeah, we'll go push for the Tennessee Titans. Now for the, the abysmal, the abysmal teams. Probably the two worst teams in the NFL. Um, you know what? We're just going to look at it. There's no reason to talk about these teams longer than a couple of seconds. So we'll start with the, uh, the Jaguars, six and a half. Give me the under. I don't care if Trevor Lawrence is coming in. I mean, I think he'll be a nice quarterback, but, uh, name one other player on the team. Go ahead. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? 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 No one. They suck. Gardner Minshew? <laughs> Trevor Lawrence ain't playing to him. They cut Tebow's ass. Urban Meyer's a college coach. I mean, I don't see it. I don't see the recipe for success in Jacksonville up there in Duval County. I just six and a half. How are they even coming up with a number that high? Very generous. Very generous for Urban Meyer in his first year. They're gonna win like four games at most. Four games at most. Give me the under for the Jaguars and then the tight nah, Texans, Houston Texans. Look, Deshaun Watson is, uh, well, you know, whatever situation is going on, I haven't heard much news, but he will not be the starting quarterback. They're going ri- to rely on the old Tyrod Taylor. I actually like Tyrod. It's a very serviceable backup quarterback. But if he's your starter, you're looking at a very average football team. With the talent that the Texans have, you're looking at an abysmal football team. I, it's at four. Their over-under is four. Lowest in the league. And they are not going to win four games. Give me the under. Give me the under for both the Jaguars and the Texans. Ah, they're terrible. Absolutely terrible. And those are the over-unders for the AFC. Stay tuned for next episode when we break down the NFC over-under picks. Moving on. Topic number three. You know, baseball's in full swing, people. It's in full swing. And I gotta tell you, uh I'm going through depression right now. My team sucks. Team sucks. You know, I didn't have high hopes. You know, I thought the Cubs might compete for the division crown. I was really liking how the season was going. The core, the core players were looking very nice. Bryant looked back to his MVP ways. Baez and Rizzo were struggling a bit, but Rizzo was coming into his own. Still had Wilson Contreras. Still had the old Jason Hayward out in right field. And um, and then we threw a no a team-combined no-hitter against the Dodgers. Uh, that no-hitter came all the way back on June 25th, just earlier this year. Cubs were at the top of the division. I was feeling pretty good about the team, you know still think we needed some additions with the starting lineup um, as far as the rotation goes. I still liked Hendricks. Arietta was serviceable at that point. You know, the bullpen was one of the best in Major League Baseball. And, um, again, the young core was playing well. The core pieces that we won a World Series with back in 2016, they were all there. The guys were there. Uh, so, And I was feeling pretty good. June Baseball love my team going, doing well. After that in a uh, <laughs> an old 11 game losing streak. 11 11 game losing streak after a no hitter. Huh? 11 in a row. That's right. That's right. We were in first place. We were in first place at the time. And then we finally snapped that 11-game losing streak on July 7th, and we were eight-and-a-half games out. Oh, boy, wow, just brutal. And I feel like at that point the team was just like, you know what? Front office, Jed Hoyer was like, all right, I guess it's time to, uh, to move on. So what does the team do? Oh, oh they, they did some stupid, stupid, stupid things. Stupid absolutely stupid i'm I'm livid people I'm absolutely livid what this front or what this front office did to my beloved cubbies. so first it started. I should have saw it coming when we traded Andrew Chaffin nice guy out of the bullpen lefty you know came in middle relief you know late innings you know he he was a get get out kind of guy he was pitching very well. And then they traded Jock Peterson as well. You know, they signed him to a 1-year deal to replace um Kyle Schwarber and uh they traded him to the Braves. And and they traded Chafin to the Oakland Athletics. And that was on Tuesday, a couple days before the deadline. Then uh they traded Jake Marte uh Brisnick, excuse me, to the uh the Padres. And that's when it started to uh That's when it started to get a little ridiculous. They then proceeded to trade Anthony Rizzo to the New York Yankees. Then they traded Javier Baez to the New York Mets. And then they traded the MVP, former MVP, I should say, Chris Bryant. And then we traded our closer and our setup guy to the Chicago White Sox. They traded Kimbrel. gone. They did all that. Think about it. They got rid of their three best players, a Bryant, Baez, Rizzo. All of them, gone. And every the speculation was, okay, they can't keep all these guys, but they can at least keep a couple. But I guess you don't want to let them walk for nothing. After trading those players, the Cubs went on another 11 game losing streak. That's right, two 11 game losing streaks in one season. That's what the Cubs did since the combined no hitter on June 25th, excuse me, June 24th, June 24th, my mistake. The team went 10 and 35 and lost 20 and a half games in the standings. Top of the division after the no hitter went 10 and 35. <laughs> oh my god the lovable losers we're back baby we are back the rebuild begins this is what tanking looks like and I absolutely hate it it hurts Jed Hoyer I trusted you you were part of the Theo Epstein of front office guys who I thought knew baseball but you thought it was best Let's get rid of our best players. Let's just get rid of them. We're at the top of the division at one point. Frankly, I don't think even after like going into July being eight and a half back, I think you're still in contention. I think you can still make things happen. Apparently, they were like, fuck reloading or trying to make deals at the deadline to get better. We're just tanking. Get us those high draft picks. Get us those prospects. <sighs> Uh, It hurts. I'm still in pain. You know, honestly, when they made this trade happen, that's when I I wanted to record my next episode of the podcast and just complain about that the whole time. But I've I've let time, time heals all wounds. I've come to the acceptance that maybe we'll sign one of these guys back in the offseason. They're all up for contract. Maybe we can make it happen. But my goodness... To just shit away the season like this, it hurts. It really hurt. Uh, You know, people want to tell me, it was time, you know. Let the young core, let the core go. It's time to end it. You won the World Series five years ago. I don't care. You traded our best players. You know you're going to suck now. The Cubs are a joke now. Terrible. Terrible. One of the worst teams in the league now. And we were... We were there. We were there for a while. The Cubs, for the first time in 75 years, lost every game of a seven-game homestand. They played seven games at Wrigley. They didn't win one of them. First time in 75 years. (laughs) This team, I'll never stop being a fan. I'll tell you that. I'll support them to the day I die and even past that. Even past that, I'll be in the dirt just being like the Cubs. God, they're great. And this is what they do to me. This is what they do to me. Give me absolute headaches and migraines. But, you know, thanks for the World Series. Thanks for the MVP, Bryant. You know, and I still try to watch as much of them as possible. Bryant has been great for the Giants. Rizzo has done his thing for the Yankees. Baez has... (laughs) been his erratic self with the Mets shown flashes of greatness, but then has one of the greatest whiffs in baseball history of being way out in front of a off speed pitch it just uh. you know it just sucks to see your team just be just give up to give up that's what I saw the Cubs do they gave up <sighs> what are you gonna do but That's a perfect segue for my unpopular opinion. And for my unpopular opinion, uh, tanking directly relates to the Cubs and all professional sports teams. Uh, This goes out to every manager, every front office, every coach, every system that is considering tanking. Don't stop tanking stop doing it stop tanking all right let's just let's just think about this uh, i'm happy and i've tried to look this up i can't really find anything who has successfully tanked any professional sport any professional sports league who has actually successfully tanked as in we're getting rid of all of our good players or decent players. and am going to play bad players. We're going to get a high draft pick, and we're going to get a franchise-changing player. The only team that kind of comes to mind is the Philadelphia 76ers. They trust the process. They got Joel Embiid. They got Ben Simmons. Okay. What has been their ceiling? Second round of the playoffs. That's it. Second round of the playoffs. It, that makes me believe that there is no point to tank if that is your ceiling. You can get there and live in mediocrity and get to the second round playoff. Portland, Portland Trailblazers do it all the time. This doesn't just relate to the NBA, though. Look at how it works in the NFL. How often do you see it? Where the top teams... The top draft picks always go to the same team. You got the Lions, you got the Jets, you got the Jaguars, you got the Texans. They're always at the top of the NFL draft. Always. Always. Those are the teams. They live there. The bad teams live in badness, regardless of who they're drafting. There's been... A couple exceptions. Yeah, okay. The Cleveland Cavaliers tanked to get LeBron James. You know, they were just a bad team. They got LeBron. He changed the franchise. Changed the franchise. Guess what? He got up and out of there because they didn't get any better. They were just like, well, carry us. And he was like, well, I can't do it alone. No one can do it alone. But I don't consider that tanking. They were just a bad team to begin with. Someone. Please, someone reach out to me and tell me a team that has successfully been like, we're going to acquire draft picks, young players, and we're going to turn into a championship caliber team. I thought maybe for a second, I was like, okay, the Milwaukee Bucks, they tanked, right? They had like the worst, they won like 19 games, Giannis and Chris Middleton's like rookie year or second year or whatever it was. They won 19 games at one point. And I was like, that's technically tanking. it's like, well, no. Giannis and Chris Middleton have been with them ever since. That's not really tanking. They were already on the team. They've just improved. They've steadily gotten better as players and have had that big of impact. Again, especially for baseball, tanking is an awful idea. Just look at it. The Orioles, awful. The Royals, awful. The Tigers have lived, lived high in the NF, in the MLB draft, since the old World Series run in what was that, two thousand nine, two thousand nine, I believe it was when they had like Ver, when they were stacked. Prime Miguel Cabrera, Victor Ortiz, You just had a stacked team. Verlander was Cy Young candidate year in year. Out. I mean, they were stacked. Now, and we've gone through a decade. They've lived at the top of the MLB draft. I mean, the Pirates always there. Diamondbacks live at the top of that draft. And just the same, the Texas Rangers, the same bad teams are always there. Why do you think tanking's a good idea? And especially for baseball, like you could get the best player in the league, you get the best player in the draft. Whoever, Mike Trout is one of the greatest baseball players ever. He's never been to the playoffs. Never. Never. The best baseball player ever, has never even seen the postseason. Think about that. And they didn't tank to get him. He just happened to be a low draft. They happened to draft him at a decent spot. He just happened to project and play out of his mind to be one of the greatest players ever. Tanking doesn't win. Tanking does not lead to success. Just the same teams are always there. Every league every league. Tanking doesn't work. I want some someone to show me. If you can show me a team from each league, NFL, NBA, MLB, I'll even take NHL. If you can show me a team that is successfully tanked, that tanked on purpose to win, to lose games and turn their franchise around over the next few seasons, I think the biggest success of tanking has been the 76ers and the most success they've had is the second round of the playoffs. I don't really consider that a success. Like the Magic were three games away from getting there, and they've lived in mediocrity for a while. And they're back to the reset button. They're going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Again, for basketball, the Pistons, always in the lottery. Magic, in the lottery. Charlotte Hornets, as a, until this last year, always in the lottery. The Knicks, until last year, Always in the lottery. And just Some teams are just bad. Some teams are very bad and can't figure it out. And it's because they have this mentality of oh, we're, we'll acquire draft picks. We're going to pick the right players. With the mobility of the NBA, guys will get tired of losing after a while and join forces with other guys to be successful and win. They're not waiting for these organizations to do it. They take matters into their own hands now. Stop tanking. Please, for the love of God, stop tanking. Your fans, look at the Cubs' attendance. Cubs were packed. The bleachers were packed. Wrigley was packed when they were at the top of the division. Even when they went on that 11-game skid, still had the core. Stadium was packed. You look at games now, no one's there. It's a ghost town. They're giving away tickets, giving away tickets. You could probably get Cubs tickets right now for $10 if you lived in Chicago. I'd recommend going. You get to see some awful baseball. But tanking doesn't win. Tanking doesn't lead to success. So please stop. Stop tanking now. And that's the end of episode 53 of the Hang Time with Helge podcast. Thanks for staying true. Look, if you're listening to this now, I know you're a true, dedicated fan to the podcast because I took months off. I've been away from you people for so long, and yet you still come back. You still want to listen to my glorious voice talk about the exceptional things that I talk about. You're still here, and I can't thank you enough for the support and for staying true to the hang time with You podcast. So I appreciate you. And more episodes will come. I'm not going to let you guys down. I won't let you down. I can promise you that. All right. I'm out. Peace.